And good morning and welcome to Let's Talk. I'm Tracy Morgan. So nice to have you with us this half hour. This is our half hour that we get to talk to great professionals, of course, in and around the area. And we are going to have a COVID-19 update today, a vaccination update today from the Butler Health System. We'll be joined by Dr. John Love, the infectious disease specialist with the Butler Health System. So that's going to be our discussion. Before I welcome Dr. Love into the program, though, first let me give you all the different ways that you can listen, because maybe you're listening to us on the radio and we love you for it, but we understand that a lot of us have gone digital, so there are means that you can be mobile and listen, or you can just listen while you're with Alexa there, or if you're on your computer. So you can listen to us on the computer at WISR680.com. There's a listen live button that you can press, and so you can listen to that as we are broadcasting for the rest of our time. Now, also there, after we're all done, we'll post this as our podcast. So what you do is you go to Programs, Let's Talk, and then the audio player will come up there for you, and you just look for the Butler Health System and Dr. John Love, and, of course, you'll hear the audio there. Yes, if you do have an Alexa-powered device, you can just say, Alexa, play WISR 680. That'll bring us up, and you can listen to us as we're broadcasting. And then, of course, I know I'm missing one. It's always like the checklist every day in school, right? You always have to go through everything, but you have different means. Oh, the app on your mobile device. I knew I'd remember it. It's the app on your mobile device, so you can download that at your leisure wherever you get your app and you can listen to us on your mobile device. All right, I think we passed the test. I think we can move on in our class now. We have Dr. John Love, infectious disease specialist with the Butler Health System on the phone with me. Dr. Love, as always, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, Tracy. All right, let's dive into this with you today because we have a lot to talk about between the vaccination site, the new location with the Butler Health System, also vaccines in general, and we got scheduling to talk about. Let's get into the vaccination site first. I know we just talked to the chief nursing officer not too long ago about this switch, but can you remind us about the the change in location for the vaccination site? Sure. Um, So on Wednesday, April 14th, which is frighteningly close, can't believe we're already April 1st here, the Butler Memorial Hospital vaccination site will be moving from the hospital building itself proper, where it's been since December, since the start of this, We'll be moving up the road to a site at the mall. This is going to be for both first and second doses. It is going to affect people in that some people may have their first dose here at the hospital, but their second dose will be scheduled at the off-site. We are moving off-site to increase our potential capacity. We basically have a, a ceiling or a maximum number of people that we can really get through our, our hospital site here. We regularly reach that maximum per day. So far, you know, that hasn't been an issue because we have, we haven't received more vaccine than we could hand out. But we're anticipating that's going to change and we're going to get more vaccine than we currently are. And we want to make that as as available to people as we can. And so the county has helped with this, with securing this site and providing some additional infrastructure support so that our vaccinators can keep doing their, their work. So if you come between you know now and uh, April 14th for your first dose here at the hospital, your second dose will be somewhere else because it'll be three weeks later. But that information will be given to you when when you're here. So you know we're excited about this. It'll give us a little more space, uh, a little more breathing room, and and allow us to hopefully increase our capacity to give vaccine, assuming the state gives us more vaccine to administer. And of course, there's plenty of parking there, so you're eliminating that from the hospital. 
plenty of parking up at the former it, Sears location, of course, being up at the mall. Congestion here at the hospital right, would be kind right. of alleviated with that. And so, of course, also social distancing, that can be in place too easily up at the former Sears location. But can you walk us through, do you know how this will operate at the mall's location? Will we walk in one door, go out another? Is there going to be a single file line? How do we How do we approach this? Do we have to check in with someone once we get to that site? Karen Allen, our chief nursing officer who has led the charge with our vaccine clinic here on site, um, has been responsible for working with the county for like the logistics up at the uh, the Sears site as well. I have not been on the site myself personally yet. Um, Karen's going to take me up in the next couple of days, so I will have a, you know, a little more working knowledge of the plan. But you know, she's done a phenomenal job with operationalizing things here. It's going to be very. It's going to feel very similar. I, you know, I'm sure with checking in, we'll photocopy insurance cards, get information. You know, the whole process should not be any longer than it is here. Most people are in and out here in within a half an hour. That includes the 15-minute wait time after the vaccine's administered. This should not prolong someone's encounter just because we're at a different site. And, you know, our, our attention to social distancing will probably be improved at this site because there's just more physical space um, and we'll be... Um, you know, be able to spread people out even further. We've done been able to do that here, but again, that's when our limitation is. We only have so much physical space and people have to have a certain distance between them. And, and so that's really kind of our ceiling here. So hopefully uh, the move up the street will, will help believe that. I'm glad you mentioned the 15-minute wait time, and that's still going to be in play once we get to the new location at the former Sears location at the Clearview Mall with the Butler Health System with the vaccination appointment. That 15-minute wait time, will there be a doctor on site? Will there be nurses on site? I know you have great professionals giving out the vaccines, but when we're at the hospital, of course, if something goes wrong or if somebody feels ill, we're right at the hospital. So what will be done at the new vaccination site? There's not going to be doctors at site there has been talk about having EMS, and some of the EMS professionals have been trained to give vaccines, so they may be some of our vaccinators. Got to remember, I mean, these vaccines are being administered at retail pharmacies, which don't have emergency rooms on them that don't have EMS outside. These We've had so few incidents of adverse reactions with these vaccines that forcing forcing vaccines to be done in a location with an emergency room attached or with EMS on call immediately available is just a little impractical if we really want to roll this out to the general population. If I'm going to go down to CVS or Rite Aid or whoever is giving these vaccines out in a retail pharmacy, I'm going to sit there after my vaccine for 15 minutes. But you know, if something goes wrong, they're calling 911. And that's perfectly appropriate. Again, these are not high-risk treatments and we want to get these out and available and make them as available to people as possible. And we can do that by getting these into you know, a wider range of sites across our communities. Can you talk about who is eligible to go ahead and schedule their vaccine? Because news, of course, happens very quickly. And, and I know you're trying to follow the state's orders. And yesterday, as we're talking to you today, again, folks, if you're listening to this at a different time, we're on April 1st. But yesterday we had from the state news that 1A, 1B, there's a date for 1C already scheduled in April. If we go on to the Butler Health System's website, are we able to schedule if we're in 1C or for every other Pennsylvanian? How how will the health system be working that? This change in kind of schedule or rollout that was kind of announced yesterday was news to us at the same time as it was news to all of you. 
So we are in the process of building out our our scheduling and our our just our, our computer infrastructure, our, our portal for people to schedule to make it accessible for basically everyone who's going to be up and coming for availability. As of today, April 1st, all 1As are still eligible. So if you're you know, 65 plus or 16 to 64 with one of these you know, qualifying medical conditions, you can still sign up for a vaccine today. Yesterday, they added few groups from the one that would spend the 1B category and they kind of, I don't know if they elevated them or they made a special carve out for them. They called it a special initiative, which is kind of what they also talked about when they vaccinated the teachers. So the special initiative folks that are now eligible for any vaccine anywhere include law enforcement, firefighters, grocery store workers, and food and agricultural workers. And the information about those folks is already on our website. So if someone were to go to, to the BHS vaccine scheduling website, they'll see that information already. From there, we then kind of work into this kind of, it's like every week um, there's a new eligibility. So on Monday, April 5th, which again is not far from now, the vaccine eligibility opens up to all phase 1B, which includes people I just mentioned, plus other professions. It also includes everyone who is living or you know, part of a congregate care or congregate um, social interaction setting that's not a nursing home. So those are all 1Bs. And so that's going to be next, you know, next wave of people. And then Monday, April 12th, it opens up to 1Cs, which again is more, um, I think it's like utility workers and legal and government and public health. And it's all, it's profession based. And then on Monday, April 19th, vaccine eligibility opens for all Pennsylvanians age 16 and older. So by April 19th, we will be vaccinating kind of everyone who wants one, who's age 16 and up. We are still in the process of building out our scheduling so that people who are going to be eligible in the near future can schedule for a date once they're eligible, meaning say I'm a 1C and I'm eligible for vaccine starting Monday, April 12th. We're working on getting our website or our, our scheduling software updated so I could register now for an appointment starting Monday, April 12th. So I could get that on my calendar and, and get some time off of work if I need to, or, or work, you know, schedule my life around that, rather than waiting until April 12th to allow these people to schedule at all. Um, so we're hoping this will continue to um, fill our clinics, get people scheduled ahead of time, which is really important just for their peace of mind, um, as well as just practicality. I mean, we have to understand, you know, people have to take time out of their lives to come do this. Not everyone lives just down the street from the hospital. Some people have a fairly good drive to the site or to the mall, depending on which date they're coming in. And so we, you know, we want to make this as convenient as possible for people. So the websites, you know, it will be updated probably in the course of today into tomorrow to, to reflect all these new changes. Just keep that in mind. The schedule itself is opened up through the end of April. So people can schedule out that far. We just need to kind of update our language for eligibility so that people can go on and feel comfortable, um, like they're not cheating if they sign up as a 1C for an appointment on April 12th when that's their first eligibility date. It seems to have taken quite some time to get through 1A. I understand there was a supply issue, so I understand that's a part of, of this puzzle, if you will. But it seems like all the other categories fall in April, and it seems quite fast. 
Is that because the supply will come in? Or do you find that, and I don't have the numbers of the population in the county versus how many you have vaccinated. And of course, there are other locations vaccinating people. So is it that we've gone through quite a few people who've already been vaccinated? Why will this go so quickly in April? We've, we've actually been sitting here and looking at who's defined as a 1B and 1C. Again, they're, they are, they're profession driven. They are, they're, they're defined by people's jobs largely. And so I think a lot of them may have already been eligible for 1A based on their own just medical history or age. And so I, I don't know that there's the same numbers of individuals in 1B and 1C compared to 1A when 1A was expanded to basically include, you know, all, you know, everyone over 65, which in Butler County is a pretty good chunk of the population. And then anyone in 16 to 64 with this, you know, any number of medical problems. And when you include obesity or smoking as one of those medical problems, Again, the proportion of the population that becomes eligible as a 1A is very high, as opposed to you look at 1B and it's like, okay, corrections officers, first responders, food and agricultural workers, manufacturing workers, education workers who were done as kind of the educational carve out we already talked about, clergy, public transit, and individual caring for children and adults in early childhood and adult day programs. Just that, that group as a pot just is not as big. And so I think that's where the state's looking at going, yeah, we should be able to get through that pretty quickly. And then 1C is just essential workers. And so we're talking about transportation, water and wastewater, food service, housing construction, finance, information technology, communications, energy, legal services, federal, state, and local government, media, public transportation, or excuse me, public safety and public health workers. Again, a lot of them may have fit in one of the previous 1A or 1B categories already, and this shouldn't take that long. The other thing is we really don't want vaccines sitting. It's not doing our community any good if it's sitting in our freezer and it's not getting its way into people. We may say, listen, there may be 1B people or 1C people that are still um, pending vaccination when we open up to kind of the general, the general public back you know, on the 19th. These may be people who don't want the vaccine. These may be people who were on vacation the week that they, you know, were finally able to get the vaccine and they're, you know, scheduling after that week. But the goal is just, like I said, to keep, keep this flowing. We would rather get this into people that could use it rather than hoarding it and holding it and saying, did we get every, every, every 1B person before we open a 1C? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, is that really helpful to the community versus, listen, the 1Bs, you know, we took a good first swing, we got a good chunk of them. We know there are some stragglers. We will keep getting them in. Let's get it, you know, let's keep this river flowing and not, you know, just not let this whittle down to a trickle, chasing the perfect instead of just being happy with the good. Right. Dr. John Love, infectious disease specialist with the Butler Health System with us and talking about the updated information for COVID-19, the vaccination process with the new site at the uh, mall, the former Sears location happening this month as well, being April. Question about the category that says every Pennsylvanian. Does that include kids? What are we doing about vaccinating kids? This is going to be a little tricky. Generally, no, it is not going to include kids. So the language is um, every Pennsylvanian 16 and up. Now, the issue is, or the um, logistical issue is, 
we have we currently have three vaccines that are authorized by the the FDA under the emergency use author, authorization: the Pfizer uh, vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, and the Johnson and Johnson or Jensen vaccine. The Johnson and Johnson vaccine is the is the one dose vaccine that's had been targeted for teachers so far. Um, Moderna and Pfizer are both two dose vaccines; they're both mRNA vaccines. Only the Pfizer vaccine was authorized down to age 16. Moderna and Johnson and Johnson are both 18 plus. Pfizer is 16 plus. So we have no vaccine for authorized for anyone under 16 years of age. The Pfizer vaccine authorized for 16, 16 plus. When the state says any Pennsylvanian 16 or older, that's true, but they can only get the Pfizer vaccine. Now, truth be told, Pfizer is, is the workhorse. That's the one we have the most vaccine from, and that's really the only thing that we're administering here at the Butler Memorial site. So that's not, doesn't really affect an, a, a, a concern here. But there are studies ongoing with younger people, younger than 16. The data is definitely reassuring in terms of efficacy. Safety to date looks good. We are hoping to have more data from these trials on adolescents and children. Hopefully we'll have these results by early in the summer. And my, my hope is that by summer, before the start of next school year, we are starting, we're talking about vaccinating some portion of school-aged children. We're just, we're not there yet, but, um, you know, the language the state put out was very specific, 16 plus, that 16 to 18 range has to, uh, has to get a, a Pfizer vaccine. I understand that you just mentioned a couple of minutes ago that you've seen really no complications or very low complications from this vaccine once people have gotten the vaccine. But I've seen, of course, folks online having some concerns out there. And, and one being that, that some are saying that this is an experimental technology, that this was tested on humans before animals, and that was a concern. I mean, what's your thought about the testing process of this? And is it safe for any age? mRNA vaccines have been under development for actually a couple of decades, um, and there have been trials with mRNA vaccines for other diseases well before COVID. The, the reason that the, two, the first two authorized vaccines were mRNA vaccines for a reason that these, this platform is just very facile for you know, rapid development, and frankly, these were two of the... Um, there was work already being done with this kind of platform for vaccination against the original SARS. I, I understand people's hesitancy. I, I personally, you know, I, the, the data to me is very compelling that this vaccine is effective. The data is equally compelling to me that it is safe. The components of the, this vaccine do not last more than a few hours to a couple of days at the longest in your body. Uh, mRNA is inherently unstable. Um, it's going to be degraded very rapidly. This is not something that's going to, to live in your body for an extended period of time. I, like I said, I, I understand people's kind of emotional response to this because it's different, but this whole, this whole process is different. This whole problem is different. But the origins of this vaccine can actually be traced back through lots of other research. This is, this is well-founded. This didn't come out of, out of thin air right. when COVID you know, appeared. This is based on a foundation that goes back years in, in good scientific study. Then let me go in a bit of a different direction with another concern that I've heard people express, if you will. And they're saying, well, can I still get sick if I get vaccinated? 
some news stories that we're seeing out there in the country, we're seeing a resurgence. And then, of course, the conversation of variants come into play in this. And so I know there's a lot to talk about in that, but can people still get sick after they've been vaccinated? Can you talk about those concerns? The short answer is yes. People people can still get sick, even if they've been fully vaccinated and have an appropriate immune response. You know, nothing is going to be 100% effective in medicine and life in general. The real world data that I've seen for Pfizer is about, it's at least 90% effective. It was 95% effective in its trials. It seems to be, have, still have good cross reactivity across protection with a lot of the variants that we're seeing. And the variant that we're seeing most commonly in the United States right now is the so-called UK variant, which is more transmissible and um, likely can lead to a more severe infection. The message though is even if you, if you get the vaccine and you still get COVID, you are likely to have a less severe infection than if you don't get vaccinated and you get COVID. It will really limit the risk of you having a severe or life-threatening infection. And right now, um, you know, the, the 1A group is, a one, is the 1A group because these are the people that have the highest chance of dying from COVID. And so those are the people whose lives we are literally trying to save or protect with the vaccine right now. So, you know, I, I wish we had, I wish the vaccine were 100% effective. I could wish for a lot of things, but a 90% effective vaccine is actually better than a lot of other things that we have on the market. And most other things that we have on the market in terms of vaccines. And I think we just, you know, we have to understand that it's going to be really very good and even when it does fail, it is still doing something to ameliorate the um, the severity of the of the disease. Have you seen the UK variant here in Butler County? No idea. You know, so to to, to figure out if someone has a UK variant or any kind of variant, the the, the virus has to have its RNA sequenced. Um, that is a a type of laboratory process that can only really be done in. in either research or academic or, or commercial labs um, with that capability. The State Department of Health does do send some isolates for sequencing. They have notified all of us, you know, the health, the health systems across the state that we are to notify them if we have cases of COVID occur in patients who have been completely vaccinated. You know, so they're looking for cases that are symptomatic despite vaccination and they're collecting those those viral isolates the issue is you know that process takes days to weeks really in the weeks to get the sequencing done and so by the time you're getting that result that person is basically probably through their infection their transmissibility or their, their period of transmissibility has probably already elapsed and you've already missed your opportunity to intervene and, and try to stop the spread of a more contagious variant. And so we're just, we're playing one or two steps behind. Um, and that's why you're seeing, you know, Dr. Walensky from the CDC talk about, you know, the, the risk of this rising, you know, number of, of variant cases that they are finding when they do the sequencing, because it's, it's, there's a time lag there. And so we're getting a much later snapshot of what's really going on virologically in the community. So I don't know, I would assume there's some, there have been other cases across Pennsylvania. It doesn't get treated any differently, and it doesn't change my recommendations around people wearing masks and distancing, even after vaccination, with some of the few caveats. 
and carve-outs that the CDC has offered for fully vaccinated households. Are you concerned about uh, any kind of resurgence here in Butler County, especially with the Butler Health System? We've talked before about how we get numbers from the hospital and and we calculate those here or keep track of those as, as well as you all do. And it seemed like last month, now that we're in April, last month, of course, being March, we saw some really good numbers. I mean, we, we saw low numbers. We saw single digits again with hospitalizations and then all of a sudden it crept back up. So are you concerned at all about a resurgence in Butler County? I'm, I'm concerned about a resurgence everywhere. There, there are definitely increasing rates in you know, multiple parts of the country. Our rates have been starting to eke up in the community. I'm, I am worried because a lot of people have kind of given up on the, the mitigation, the, the masking and the distancing. They have just made a conscious decision to return to normal life because there's been a, there was a sense there has been a sense that we are kind of over the hump. You know, the vaccines here, everything, everything's okay. A very small fraction of our population is, is fully vaccinated. We still have a lot of people, non-immune people out there that can foster this virus, allow it to reproduce and spread. And I, I am worried. You know, there are a lot of people in the public health community who are worried. You know, we see large portions of the country, especially vacation destinations, who have completely lifted any kind of restrictions. And that just, that makes me really nervous. It reminds me of early last summer when we had a, a, a lot of cases that were imported to here, people brought back from their vacations to Myrtle Beach and other, you know, southern destinations. So I, I, I get worried. And, you know, we need to get as many people vaccinated as possible that's not going to solve every problem for now because, again, we can only vaccinate down to a certain age as a certain portion of the population that's never going to accept vaccines. I would like to make that, popula- that portion of the population as small as possible. I, would, I will talk to anyone, anytime to at least share what I know and the, you know, what facts I can share about the vaccine to answer questions that they may have. But at the end of the day, um, we're still very much at risk. And, you know, the thousands of vaccines that we're giving here every week is helping to reduce that risk, but it's certainly not, we are certainly not out of the woods. Last question for you. Are there any preventative measures that we can take at this point in this process with COVID-19 being a year in play now? Vitamin D, do we exercise? I mean, I've I've seen a lot of people say, well, just do this, you know, online and, and those posts get out there. What's your recommendation in preventative measures? the best recommendations I can give are to follow kind of the standard um, infection control and public health guidelines that we've been preaching for the last year. You know, the masking and the distancing, not traveling unnecessarily, avoiding large crowds, um, get your vaccine when it's your point, your turn in line. Um, You know, despite, you know, you know, a lot of efforts from a lot of different people to suggest different um, silver bullets for all of this, I, I haven't really seen anything pan out either to prevent or reduce someone's risk or to manage early infection, you know, when someone's before someone gets to the hospital. There are obviously some some things that people can control in terms of some of these risk factors. To some extent, you know, these modifiable risk factors, obesity, if you can exercise and lose some weight, that's probably gonna reduce your risk of having a severe infection. If you can give up smoking, things like, you know, things that we're going to tell you anyway, just in terms of your general health, but 
in terms of day-to-day, here's what you do, I would follow the CDC and DOH guidelines in terms of you know, masking, distancing, and vaccination. Dr. John Love, infectious disease specialist with the Butler Health System. We're out of time. I could keep you here all day as always, but uh, we'll let you get on with your day. Thank you so much for your time and for your information. Thanks, Tracy. We'll talk again soon. And folks, thank you very much for joining us for this segment. If you would like to listen to this again in its entirety, what you do is go onto our website. It's WISR680.com. Pick programs, Let's Talk, and then look for the Butler Health System. I'm Tracy Morgan with Let's Talk.